The following podcast is presented by Secret Room Multimedia. Capacer, so I don't know what. Excuse me. I'm your other host, other Rudyard Kipling. I was wondering when you were going to come around. Today we have a very classy episode for you. We're going to be looking at a best selling author. He has had multiple best selling books on the New York Times list. Well, I mean, how many people can you say have simultaneously had the number one film, the number one book, and the number one TV show all at the same time? Yes. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> wow, this is some pretty stuff. good. Yeah, there's some good wine here. I don't. Oh, I, it seems to be having an effect on me. Yeah, I figured we're doing such a classy individual, we should class up this joint a little bit. Crack a nice bottle of Pinot Noir. Well, thank you for that, Craig. It's a nice change Cheers of pace. Cheers to tonight. Here. Cheers we, to we're tonight. We're going to get fancy yeah, drunk. If we're fucking sloshed by the end of the episode, uh, just consider it extra entertainment. Yeah, we're going to be like a cougar going through a midlife crisis at their nephew's birthday party. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, that's, that's pretty much... Uh, that's pretty oh, wait, much me no, on a Thursday. So, that would, <laughs> if we were going that route, we would have had some box wine tonight. <laughs> so never mind. Well, what we do have is a box set of Michael Crichton books, but not really. We've just got us it's in your mind talking about them. The box set is in our mind. Yeah, Michael Crichton, a fantastic fucking author. If you don't know his name, you know his work. He he did ER, he did Jurassic Park, done Congo, so Sphere, Andromeda Strain. You've you've heard of something that he had his fingers in. Jurassic Park. Jurassic fucking park. Like right there. Yeah. Like if you haven't heard of Jurassic Park or even ER, I ER, think. ER, like a little maybe, known a little known show. Maybe you've heard of it. Only won so many Emmys. Speaking of movies, man, I, uh... ER was not a movie. No, 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 but we were speaking of movies. Jurassic Park, Sphere. Those are books. Uh, you, uh, fuck you. Okay. Sit on your tower. <laughs> <laughs> this Pinot Noir is really getting to me. I feel all and mighty over everyone. I'm a snob. <laughs> uh, I saw a fan-fucking-tastic movie the other night. Oh, dude, I've been wanting to see Frozen. No, I didn't see Frozen, but actually, yeah, Frozen looks pretty cool. I've heard a lot of good things. Oh, so that was not where you were going with this? No, no, no. I was actually just looking for something to watch while I was falling asleep. And I ended up staying up till about 4.30 a.m. because I had to finish the movie. And in like the last 10 minutes of the movie, I was actually doing that. Don't you love that? 
Oh, yeah. You think you're just going to put a movie on to put you to sleep, and uh, then you're like, oh, my God, this is, I got to so know what happens dude, next. Dude, I had to keep watching, and in the last 10 minutes, I started zonking out, and my eyes would get heavy, and I'd, like, I'd catch myself, eyes closed, not sure what I was listening to, and be like, fuck, no, 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 wake up, rewind it a couple seconds, Fight there's only Nathan. like 10 minutes left. Fight it, Nathan. You're not going to bed now and watching the 10 minutes tomorrow. Fuck that you start, shit. You start uh, burning your hand with your lighter <laughs> to keep you awake. <laughs> The movie's called The Dirties. Have you heard of it? Have I heard of it? I fucking lived it. <laughs> oh. Might not want to say that on the podcast. This is going to be one of those instances where I immediately wish I knew what you were talking about before I admitted to All right, well, something. Right now is the moment. You're either going to, I mean, you, Craig, and the listener. It, well, I, I know your tastes, and I know you would enjoy this movie, but the, that's to the listener. But you, Craig, I don't fucking know. No, okay, no. <laughs> Craig, I know your tastes. I know that you would enjoy he, this. He spun and it on you. Yeah. I would like to think that a lot of our listeners would, too. It is a – either way, you should give it a watch because it, it is great. Is it dirty? Uh, no. Um, the movie's about a school shooting, and it's sort of a black comedy. It's more than that, though. It's a little deeper than that, but it is... So, it's a comedy wow. about a school shooting? Yep. So, right now, either you've decided that you're definitely going like, to watch this movie... not Or you're this. definitely not going to watch this movie. But, I mean, I urge you to not... Not for the easily offended. Sure. Uh, but I don't want anybody to think that this is a movie that's just deliberately pushing buttons and trying to be edgy. It's, it is edgy, and I'm sure it does push buttons, but that's not... It's so much more than that. It's it fun is to a push great buttons. movie. Like, don't you remember being on the elevator when you were a kid? What? You know push oh, the button. Pushing I buttons. pushed the button. I was lost for a minute. I pushed the button. <laughs> oh, Tiny Tunes. There we go. Right here. Nailed it. Nobody ever remembers that. I make that reference every time I'm on an elevator. What, really? Nobody gets it. You just stand in a crowded elevator and you just go, Elevator go down the hole. And some, nobody some looks. man with a briefcase is about to press a button. I'm like, no, you push the button. Me push the button. Smack his hand away. Everybody's just looking at you and they're just thinking, what is wrong with this Sorry. poor boy? Oh my God, are we going to die today? There's a 30-year-old man. Just hanging out in the elevator, like, hey, riding it up and down. I'm not 30. I'm not even 29 yet. <laughs> Only like another month. Hey, you're getting old. But fuck, Craig, check out this movie. It is great. And you know what's Sounds actually great. crazy? I just found out that the people that play the kids are actually like... Real one kids? Of them's, no, one of them's 28 years old. The other one is a teacher, a high school teacher. Both of them pull off teenager perfectly, dude. Oh. I would have never... Be- dude, I thought they were fresh out of high school, and fresh out of film school. sir, is why 21 Jump Street worked. <laughs> so, uh, apparently, there is a tree in Taiwan... That is bringing about a little bit of uh, tension from the locals and has gained a tourist attraction of sorts. Okay. Headline reads... I hope you're not thinking of the tree I am. I'm not sure where it was. Tourists flock to see tree that grew an 8-inch penis. Yeah, what a misleading fucking title that is, though. The tree didn't grow a fucking 8-inch penis. No, it grew a 20-inch penis. Exactly. No, it didn't grow a penis at all. It grew a branch. Seriously. That's kind of penis-shaped. That vaguely looks like a penis, and this is news. Vaguely. It looks like a penis that has some STDs. 
a slow news day. I have to say any media outlet that would actually report on this story isn't worth your time. If you hear a media outlet reporting on this story, just Holy sever all shit. ties with them and never check out another edition of their... That's uh, funny. I literally have written down in my notes, tree branch shaped like a penis. Big news day. <laughs> <laughs> But I think you can get behind that, right, Craig? Stop listening to anything that ever brings us up. Yes, it's 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 not wait, news. Wait, wait, Nathan, Nathan, come closer. What's up? I'm, why are I'm, you whispering to me? I'm I'm doing it for dramatic effect. Oh, so this is supposed to stay on the podcast? Yes. If you reference it, it ruins it. Okay. Never mind. We're we're a, a source that that talked about this. So does that mean you want them to stop listening to us? I don't know, Craig. We'll sort it out in post. That's your answer to everything. I like saying it. I feel cool. I haven't touched this wine in a minute, actually. So, Craig, recently a new album hit the show. <coughs> Just Excuse clearing me. your throat. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that was. I don't was. know what that was. I don't know what that was. A new album recently came out that you may or may not be interested in listening to. I figured last week you fucking put MC Chris's new album as news. Rightfully so. So why not? <laughs> Your move, Nathan. What album? This, uh, it actually came out right around the same time as the MC Chris album, but since I was a week late and I didn't think about newsing it, uh, Kevin Drew, co-founder of Broken Social Scene, just released his second solo album. Wait, wait, hold on one second. I... Oh, yes, Kevin Drew of <laughs> Broken Social Scene fame. Oh, yeah, I mean, I pretty much only listen to music from Toronto. He's about as classy as it comes while music is involved. I don't know if I'd go that far, but interesting album. I listened to it the first time. Wasn't that into it. My main criticism of it was the vocals were too Kevin Drew. It was like Kevin Drew extract. Like you, you hear that, Kevin Drew? You're being too much yourself. <laughs> it just felt kind of, I don't know. I Kevin don't know. Drewy? Laid it on too thick. But second time I listened to the album. Wait, hold on. Stop. I'm just now like filtering in everything you're saying. It's like Kevin Drew extract. <laughs> yes. It, it's concentrated Drew. Yes. And uh, it's a little too much. But... Second listen to the album, I liked it a lot more. And I'm actually comfortable and willing to say that it is more like a Broken Social Scene album than the last Broken Social Scene album, 2010's Forgiveness Rock Record. And that's actually more like a Kevin Drew album. But really, give it two listens. Because the first time you might be on the fence, and the second time you just might think it's brilliant. And you might hop over the fence fully. Yeah. You might fall off to one side or the other. Wait, 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 wait. Cut the fucking, cut the just the facts what, music. What, man? What's wrong? Cut the You're topic music. Really well. Yeah. Um, actually, I forgot something. I've got another news story for this you. Is highly unorthodox, Nathan. Yes, very unprofessional, but... You're telling me you had a news story and you just plum forgot it. Back to news. Run the news theme again. No, we don't need to do that. We're doing it. But I'm doing it as we, we see. But, but it's so unnecessary. Just do your story already. All right. Craig. Family Guy news. 
I'm not even a big Family Guy fan. Yes, I, I know. Used this. to be. I am still a pretty big Family Guy fan. This is going to rock your feeble little world, Craig Lewis. Well, I would beg to differ about whether or not my world is feeble. <laughs> you won't be in a minute. Flashback to a couple episodes ago. Oh, yeah, they had Vinny. Brian was dead, yeah. No, 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 a couple episodes of Fairpoint ago. <laughs> this would have been perfect news for that episode. Because on an upcoming episode of Family Guy, they're going to cross over with The Simpsons. And Homer Simpson is going to appear on Family Guy. Oh, wh- what? No way! Yup. Wait. No. Yeah. What? Yep. No way. Uh-huh. Dude, it's it's totally... No. Yes, it's totally happening. Nathan, my brain is broken. What have, what have you done? That Family was the guy trigger just, word. They were like, all right, ripping off The Simpsons blatantly didn't work when we announced we were killing off a character. So let's just go the full mile and be like, fuck it. If you can't rip them off, be them. Hey, Dan Castellaneta, you want to make a third of a million dollars? Just show up on our show once? You know you know how the old saying goes, Craig. Those who can't do, rip off the Simpsons. That's everybody. <laughs> All right, so back to the fucking Just the Facts music. Roll that shit. That's not the, that's not the Just the Facts music. Oh, oh yeah. Well, this is it, right? No, no. What the fuck is no? God no. Uh, I'm gonna get it one of these times. Hold on, hold on. Let me find it. Which button is it? Is it this one? I love to sing it. I love to wake up with the salsa in my mouth, and wave the flag up with a cheer for Uncle Sammy and another former mammy. This one? Nope, nope, that's not it. No, that's not it. Oh, uh, God, it's, it's on here but, somewhere. But you got I like so this. many buttons. Let, 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 let this jam for a minute. No, can, man, we got to get uh, to this. Hold on. This one. Uh, no, Craig, turn that off. No, that's not. That's personal. Craig, press, Craig, press stop. Why are you even in that folder on my computer? Why are you even on my... Just, stop. All right. I, I don't even know why we have that this. button on here. I got this, Craig. This is why, I, this is why I handle the musical Nathan. cues. Nathan, why why do you have that button? It's it's all right. I can't what? I can't hear I can't hear you over the just the facts theme, Craig. What? I stopped talking. Huh? A rubber axe? I don't even think they make. Oh, that's not what you. What? What? But but I wasn't even saying anything what? yet. A rubber axe? A rubber a rubber axe? <sighs> Just the facts. John Michael Crichton, MD, was a man of many careers, most notably a best-selling author. Best known for his sci-fi techno-thrillers, he has sold more than 200 million books worldwide. With multiple works having been adapted into blockbuster films, it's easy to see this man was one hell of a writer. As I've said before, he wrote my favorite book. Congo? Yes. No. Uh, Jurassic Park. Congo is good, though. Jurassic Park's the only Michael Crichton book I've read other than The Lost World. Really? Which oh, was less than so stellar, many good books. World. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he does. Uh, I actually tried to read Congo as a kid because I was like, oh, the guy that wrote Jurassic Park, and he also wrote this other book that's a movie now. And Stop eating my sesame cake. <laughs> that, was, that, that was from the movie. That oh. was from the movie. No, it was uh, one, of the, one of the generals. 
uh, there's there's three things I remember from Congo, and it was that and uh, Bruce the, Campbell, the sign language gorilla. Yes, and Tim Curry, which is in the book, but I don't think in the book I don't think it had a uh, machine that would speak. I think it just communicated through Amy, sign language. Amy, happy. Amy, sad. But gorilla, you don't remember Bruce Campbell bad. in Congo? I do remember Bruce Campbell. He was uh, the guy that went missing that they went to look for. Yeah. But before we get too deep into the works of Michael Crichton, which we will, we will delve into all of his books. Well, all of his fiction. All of his fiction. We're gonna books. we're gonna give each of his fiction books their That's due not. later on. Yeah, uh, Michael Crichton or or JMC. You know, his his first name was actually John. Oh, I thought you were about to say his rap name. <laughs> His first name was John? Yeah. I did not know that. This one by Michael Crichton. You don't say. He was a regular John. <laughs> Isn't that like <laughs> there a There was a nothing slang regular about him. Isn't that slang for a perp getting a prostitute, a John? Yes. Okay, good to know. Uh, he was born on October 23rd in 1942 in Chicago, the, the Windy City, to Father John and Mother Zula. Uh, even though he was born in Chicago, he was raised in Long Island. So he kind of jumped coast. Well, he wasn't on Atlantic side. Chicago's not on a coast. Went to so, Atlantic side, yeah. jumped to the coast. Yeah. He really always thought he was going to be a writer ever since a kid. And he knew he was smart. He, he knew he had it, had brains. Smart people usually do. I mean, it's part of being smart. You know things. <laughs> yeah. He, as a kid, he was like, oh, boy, I'm going to get picked on a lot in high school. Curse this blessed brain of mine. It's a blessing and a curse. So he went to Harvard and decided he was going to study literature, become a writer. Right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. While he was at Harvard, he actually conducted this experiment because he had a hunch that this one professor just had it out for him. Experiment, you say? Yes. He was testing this man. Yes, he had test tubes, he had gloves, he had beakers, nano bubbling chemicals, yes, nanotechnology, DNA, all this shit. There was a face hugger in a jar. And what it all culminated to was that he plagiarized the work by George Orwell. You don't say. And submitted it as his own paper. And he made sure to clue another professor in on this before he did it. So he wouldn't get kicked out of school, possibly. I mean, I'm sure that was still a possibility, but so he at least had, like, look, this is what I was doing. I wanted right, to Right, I'm intentionally doing this. Yeah, because uh, this dude's giving me bad grades. Look, I tell he you just what, gave George Orwell a B-. Minus, anybody, anybody that has gone to college knows they make a huge deal about plagiarism. That is, first offense, you're gone. There's, it's immediate expulsion. Right. So he... He plagiarizes the work of George Orwell? Yes. And what, what did he get for his troubles? A B minus. That bastard. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't so, have plagiarized a little better? So it's so funny because he's like, oh, this teacher hates me. He's just, he's just giving me bad grades for no reason. Look, I got a B minus. <laughs> and like me, I'd be like, woohoo! B minus? Hey, mom! <laughs> I got a 2-9, ma! God damn it, I would be happy with a B minus from college. Yeah. I hope Yeah, but you're not you're no Michael Crichton though. Right. He's like, fuck, I'm four or no point You're no regular John. <laughs> that's that's for the ladies of the night to decide. <laughs> oh wait, not me, Michael Crichton. That's for Michael Crichton to decide? He's, he's a John. Craig, then now there's no reason to make these allegations. No, he really is. And so is his dad. Craig. 
Neither of those men are here today to defend themselves. And that is why we lower our flags. In honor of Michael Crichton and his dad? I would. <laughs> I would. Man, I was a brilliant writer. What was the first book you read by him? The first book? Yes. Because I know it wasn't Jurassic Park. No, I had to, I had to push you to read it. And you already loved Michael Crichton. You were all over this yeah, dude. Yeah, I think part of me is, like, it was the same with uh, Chuck Palahniuk. It took, it was like pulling teeth to get me to finally read Fight Club. And I yeah. loved the movie. And I had already read a couple other books by <laughs> Chuck Palahniuk. And I was like, all right. Because, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I know what happens. And... God forbid, I'm so happy I did read Jurassic Park. It's different. Yeah, dude, you were like it's coming even better than the you movie. You were like coming to me preaching the gospel of Crichton. And I'm like, oh yeah, dude, in Jurassic Park when I haven't read like, it. oh yeah, I haven't read it. I skipped that when I saw the movie. Oh no, dude, dude, I'll let you borrow it. Yeah, I mean I, I got a lot of books lined up. Um uh, a lot of Michael I Crichton have books. A lot of books. Yeah, lined yeah, up. half of them are Michael Crichton books. Dude, move Jurassic Park at least ahead of the other Michael Crichton books, man. Good news, Nathan. Um I've gotten through all those Michael Crichton books in my queue. Along with Jurassic Park. The first Michael Crichton book I ever read was Prey. Okay. So, one of his later works. But we'll get to all that good stuff when we talk about his works. So, after this ruse that he played on his professor. This what? The ruse. The, the, the cunning attempt to trick professor. Gotcha. Yeah. He was totally fed up with the English department there and just switched majors to biological anthropology. And he actually got his bachelor's summa cum laude, which is not the title of a porno. Yeah, it is. It's... <laughs> okay, well, it okay, is okay. the title of a porno. Not in the educational uh, realm here. It means with highest praise. So he was like top of his class. And, you know, he just decided to continue on and go to Harvard Medical School, obtain his his MD. And so while he did study in hospitals and did all the proper um, internship courses and whatnot, he never got his license to practice really medicine. But what a he knows an awful fudge. lot about it. I concur. Can you imagine being like, oh, yeah, my doctor was Michael Crichton. That'd be awesome. The guy that wrote Jurassic Park. That'd be fucking yes. awesome. Yes. I got to go see Dr. Crichton this weekend. I'm uh, not feeling that good. Do you nah, think I'm faking it? I just kind of, I just kind of want to go chat. I just kind of want to go chat. I want to pick his brain. Geopolitical, scientific ramifications of human overambitiousness. Hmm. <laughs> I too have wanted to pick the brain of the man behind Sphere. Just Jurassic Park for me. I also kind of wanted to talk about Jurassic Park. He gets sick of that. He's like, are you actually sick? Or are you just here to fucking talk about Jurassic Park? Because I wrote that book 30 years ago. Like, I mean, if he was around today to tell you that. Yeah, it wasn't even 30 years ago. It was, it was 24 now. So while he was alive, it was like 18 years ago. Something like that. He actually started writing his first few novels while he was in med school. And they became, you know hits people were buying them so i guess he felt he didn't need to be a doctor he's just like write books i proved it to myself i have the degree if i ever fail with this i could just go get my license so Man, this dude is like his fallback his fallback was being a doctor that was his <laughs> fallback plan just saying that's 
Awesome. I never, I never and, looked at it that way, but that's fucking awesome. And it's not like he had, he's just got his PhD. Like you just, oh, good for you. You decided to study geology for ten years. Oh, okay. You have your PhD. No, this is a real doctor, sweetie. The real, a McCoy. real doctor. The real McCrayton. This dude was one of the major inspirations for me, really wanting to start writing and become a writer. It was really? like Michael Crichton and Bruce Koval. And you've only child. read one Michael Crichton book. Yeah. How many times That is have so I read interesting. I've read more Michael Crichton than you have. Which just is yeah, reading because, that book. Over and that boggles and my over mind over that and over. That just boggles my mind that you've never read any of his other books. I have a few of his other books and I just haven't read them. Like I have Timeline. Timeline I, was a good one. I have Pirate Latitudes. Wait, no. Wait I think, a second. Isn't I think that one mine? of my friends? Let me borrow that. But I mean, yeah, at this it was point, me. At this point, it's pretty much mine. Nathan, I'll probably I'm never over see here. Can again. you hear me? So I'm here. Like, I wish I could have given it back oh to them God. while we were still hanging out. But am I dead? Did I die? He can't hear me. No, you're not dead. You can't you're not see a ghost. me either. I can hear you and see you. So can I get that copy of Pirate's Latitude back? So anyway, what were you saying about uh, Michael Crichton and? Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow, I'm sorry. I almost got sidetracked there. The Guardian actually described his novels as harking back to the fantasy adventures of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. They are very reminiscent of, You know, Sherlock Holmes fame. That guy. A lot of it reminds me of, like, early serialized adventures, too. Like, the stuff that inspired, like, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, you know? Like, pulp, pulp adventure and shit. Yeah, and they're really like, this man has a knack for storytelling. There's no doubt about it. He will get you hooked. Like, he could sit there and be describing the most monotonous, boring thing that he has to, but the way that he writes it and tells it, it, you're on the edge of your seat, and you're just reading every next word, and you're like, oh, I got to get to the next chapter, and then I'll be done. Then you get to the next chapter, and you're like, but I could read a couple more pages. Maybe maybe that's why they never gave him his license to practice. They were like, nuh-uh, you've already got me hooked on these fucking book things. What, next you're going to get me hooked on Oxycontin and Painkillers? Yeah, no, Uh -uh. you go back. Back to writing. I've watched Dr. House, and he's like, I haven't even paved the way for that show yet. <laughs> Good one, Sai. Yeah, and having the knowledge that he had of medical practice really helped him write some of his other books, like a lot of the things having to do with technology, which is almost every book of his. And there's an earlier one, A Case of Need, that was one of his first books. And that's just really good. A really good book. A really good read. I'd recommend it to anybody. But in the 70s, he decided to take his his thought process elsewhere and, and began dabbling in film. Who hasn't wanted to dabble in film? I sure know. Well, best-selling author could. I mean, it may have been a TV movie, but do you remember his first film, Purist? Oh, yes. I was totally alive. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Yeah, I don't remember it either. It was a TV movie. He wrote and directed it, but it was based on his own novel called Binary. So he adapted his own film. He did that a couple times, didn't he? Yeah. I actually saw an interview with him where the guy interviewing him was like, so The Lost World, it was before the movie came out, but the book had been written. And he was like, so the movie, you think it's going to be bigger and wilder than Jurassic Park? And he's like, well, I don't, I, I can't imagine anything being bigger than that. And I was like, yeah, dude, hell yeah. How and dare he you? Was like, and then he was, he was like, I mean, it is what it is. It'll be what it is. And I was like, yeah, 
fucking A. And then they're like, he's like, so are you going to direct it? Are you going to? And he's like, no. <laughs> he kind of like <laughs> laughed it off and was like, no. And he's like, why? I'm you? done directing. Well, he was like, why? Are you too busy? Or you, you just think Steven Spielberg will do a better job? And he's he was pretty much just like, yeah, Steven Spielberg's got <laughs> this, dude. <laughs> he's, he's like, if if. Uh, really? Steve, if it came down to, <laughs> listen, this is my story, and I would rather have Steven Spielberg direct this than myself. Yeah. Talking about directing, other movies he did direct were The Great Train Robbery, which is another one of his own books, uh, the movie Looker, Runaway, and Physical Evidence, movies I've never heard of. <laughs> they came out in the 80s. He wrote screenplays for Twister. He wrote the screenplay for Twister. Yeah, he's one of the, he's one of the writers. So he wrote the scene where they tie themselves to a fucking lead pipe with a belt. Oh, he was one, one of, the, of writers. the writers. He probably I didn't do that say, one. There's no way. In fact, that Michael Crichton was like, "Eh, fuck it. Let me just pull this bullshit." In out fact, of my he ass. probably stood up and said, "Um, are you guys serious with this? Like, <laughs> I know physics, and this can't." And then before you know it, somebody in hit fact, him in the back of the head with no- a lead pipe. He woke up on the side street of uh, of Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> With a huge headache and just thought, you know, he was soaked in rum. So he just figured he got drunk and blacked out. But then he was like, no, no, no. I drink scotch, not and rum. One, one day Twister came out in theaters and he's like, why am I compelled to go see this movie? And he went to see it. And it's <laughs> he just, was like, oh, come on. What's whole, with that scene? Yeah, the, the, the whole movie, he, he was just like, hmm, it's all right. And then some of this, I'm getting deja vu. Some of this dialogue seems vaguely familiar. And then at that scene... With them tying tying the belt, he just starts having horrific flashbacks. Just freaks out in the middle of the theater. And at, like, at the end, you can't just turn it off. Ah, uh, callbacks. <laughs> and at the end of the movie, he, he just walked out and said, "Hmm." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even done. After after freaking out into his <laughs> Steven Seagal fucking. Uh. It was not Steven Seagal. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Where's that fucking wine? There we go. Yeah, he he got out and was like, hmm. Feeling properly bourgeois again. Philip Seymour Hoffman is way better than this. I forgot what we were talking about. Twister. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, after he decided to do all of that, he created a little uh, little show that hit television called ER. Community. No, that was Dan Harmon. Dan. Dan. Not Michael. Michael Harmon? Da- Dan Crichton. Who's... Oh, I'm so confused. John Johnson? My name's Goy Fox. Why I told he, you I changed it back. It was just Why couldn't he have a proper Catholic name like John Johnson that's easy to remember? Oh, I remember when I was John Johnson. <laughs> that was what it does. Holding on to slow burning matches, looking after gunpowder, and then it all blew up in me face. Metaphorically, literally, it didn't actually blow up, but metaphorically, the whole thing just came crashing down around me. And that was the end of John Johnson. Never got married. It's like no, see, ER, we're man. still beating a dead horse, but <laughs> ER, I fucking love real. it. Like it doesn't matter. This poor horse. Like, Listen, do you want me to now sing Cat Stevens I didn't as know Guy a Fox? Dead body could bruise. Wow, that was a really disturbing statement. Wow, I'm really depressed and weirded out now. Nathan, you're not allowed to watch Dexter anymore. Uh, no, ER. ER was was the show that he 
he decided to create. He actually wrote the pilot episode, and after that, he just decided to be an executive producer. He's like, I, I, uh, I created this gold. Now, uh, make me money. Go ahead. Do you ever watch ER? No, not. It was one of those. You know, it was definitely an adult drama, and we were teenagers when it came out. I was a kid. We were kids when it came out. I was a teenager when it ended. Sure. When it came out, though, I definitely remember being a kid in a specific house that we lived in as. Yeah, Children. I mean, yeah, you were nine, I was ten. Yeah, but... that makes sense. And, dude, when I was that age, I had absolutely no idea that at that point... Me yeah, neither. it was Michael Crichton and Bruce Koval. I don't know if I had a favorite between the two of them, but my favorite author, I had no idea that he created ER. If I did, I probably would have started watching it. Yeah, I actually got into it in the last couple seasons. You know, you, people are talking about it at school and whatnot, and... It was pretty good. Really? Yeah. Nobody at my high school. No, like I said, like when I was okay, we're talking like the uh, like the fifth and sixth seasons. Nobody at my high school was talking about ER. Not when, not even when like you were say a junior or a sophomore in high school. No. No. I don't. Maybe, maybe behind the scenes and not like my parents watched it. Maybe it was more so my parents watched it and really liked it, and so like I would, I caught it a glimpse of it. It was like one of those things that just sucks you in. You Pretty know. much anything with George Clooney has the ability to. Oh, do George that. Clooney was gone before I even started watching it. Oh, so never mind. <laughs> there you Statement go. Recanted. I just remember the, my one of the memories is I remember watching in the final season the one main doctor when he was struggling George with Clooney. No, he was the one main doctor. No, there you're was n- like five. You're main not allowed doctors. to refer to anyone else as the one main doctor. Again, I never. No, the guy with glasses <laughs> that was bald. I have no. I he uh, was battling with cancer. The only people from that show I know are George Clooney uh, and JD. JD, really? No, that's Scrubs. <laughs> and Kumar's in it from Harold and Kumar, right? No, that's the West Wing. No, it's Doctor House actually. But oh, Doctor House. I don't no, think he no, was no, in no, the no, West no. Wing. I think he was just actually in the White House. He was actually in the White House. Yeah. Dude, did you hear about? Dude, I was so late on this, I couldn't believe it. Did you hear about uh, the next Harold and Kumar movie? No. Honestly, I don't think I care anymore. It's been like pushed back. But dude, Cal Penn, the guy that plays Kumar, is pissed at Obama right now. Really? Weren't they like boys? Yeah, he was a part of his cabinet. He was literally like ambassador to Asia. That's why it's that West Wing. And uh, he's pissed about the drones thing. And the next Harold and Kumar movie is supposed to be Harold and Kumar get droned. Uh... Dro. They actually go to the border of India and Pakistan in this one. And they get all droned. (laughs) But moving back to Michael Crichton. Yeah, I was sharing a touching, compelling memory from ER, and you just started talking about Harold and Kumar. Okay. No, Kumar no, was too a late. Doctor. It's too late. Kumar was a doctor in Harold and Kumar too. So you no, know, no, no, it's too late. Maybe moving on. Maybe they could actually cross over and have that character on ER. No, because it's too late for ER. ER is over. They're gonna bring it back. So was Heroes. So was Scrubs. All right, all right, all right. That's a fair point. <gasps> I see what you did there. You clever fox, you. No, no, no. That's George Clooney. No, no. That's a silver fox right there. Oh shit, man. Okay. Yeah, I'll be a clever fox. Why not? Other cool things he's done. Uh, did you know he created the computer game? I feel like I did at one point, but I totally forgot. So enlighten me. It was a graphical text adventure game called Amazon, made in 1984. Good Wait, year. Wait, Michael Good Crichton year. invented Amazon? 
the graphical text based adventure game. So like when I order a book off Amazon, wrong Amazon. <laughs> so wait, Michael Crichton owns the Amazon. Like the rainforest wrong, wrong is Amazon. that is that why there's there's there's, there's a so, trademark symbol is, next to it? No, is that why there's like they're losing so many trees because all his books are bestsellers? Uh no, wrong Amazon. Still, <laughs> I bet you that's it. That's why we're losing so many trees. He was making and that's all of his books. That, out of yeah, his private because stock Michael of trees. Crichton writes such great books. They're they're all bestsellers. All those trees from the rainforest, suddenly global warming starts happening. But he's like, fuck, if people find out that I'm the sole cause of global warming and the fact that it's all because I write such fantastic books. He created the problem so he could have a point on it. So he starts, well, he didn't do it on purpose, but he doesn't want people to stop buying his books because he's causing global warming single-handedly. So he's like, no, dude, I mean, that's, I mean, the facts are all like, Michael Crichton, how could you? You son of a bitch. But yeah, he was very outspoken about global warming, basically saying it's a myth. He had theories. He didn't exactly say it was a myth. Not in his words. This is one thing that I love about Michael Crichton. Like, I don't agree with every one of his opinions, but whether I agree with them is I do because he's famous. Oh, okay. <laughs> but uh why do you think I was burning George Bush effigies after listening to Pearl Jam? <laughs> Wait, George Bush Sr. Jr. Oh, did Pearl Jam do shit about yeah. George W? Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah, that was a big thing. Anyways, you just said Pearl Jam, <laughs> so I went back to the 90s and I'm like, "Really, George H.W.?" Oh, no. No, late Pearl Jam. <laughs> oh, okay. And that's why I had no idea. <laughs> But as far as Michael Crichton on like global warming, he he did like say like, oh yes, I think if we could predict this far into the future, which we can't, yeah, there would probably be like this much of a percentage increase. But I'm not a catastrophist. Yeah, and, so like, you can't know that for sure. Yeah, but even when he like he's got a lot of like controversial opinions, and he he disagrees with a lot of. I mean, a lot of ideas that you would consider liberal ideas, but also, like, not radical liberal ideas. Some of the more mainstream, generally, like... So radical. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Widespread ideas and things like global warming and secondhand smoke and environmentalism. But when you see him disagreeing with this stuff and talking about his opinion... It's not like he puts it out there to where he looks like a total jackass. Yeah, he doesn't look like an ignorant political contrarian. There you go, Republicans. This was the voice of your party, and you just kind of let him go on the back Yeah, burner. he seems like an intelligent, respectful human being with if a lot of you would have let him be the spokesperson for you, people probably wouldn't hate Republicans as much. He probably wouldn't want to be the spokesperson for any political party. Well, sure. Imagine. He would be like, uh, actually, George Washington said... But if you did have to categorize him, I would say he's probably more right-wing than left-wing. Yeah, um, his views tended to land on the more conservative side. And while I'm neither, you know, I pay attention to myself and the things that I gravitate towards. And I do tend to appreciate a lot more left-wing stuff, if you had to categorize it all. So okay. it's it's really cool, like, because there's I love it. I love it. You're getting right-wing. so into this right now. There's, you're like, well, you're like yeah. pointing to the left, and then you're pointing to the right. But I'm actually pointing to my left to signify right, but I guess it's your right. I'm like, ooh, and yeah. then you point to the right, the right, the right. Even though you're pointing point to the, the left, left, to the left, to the left. <laughs> but, uh, 
Yeah, it's it's pretty we cool because because I, I really appreciate Michael Crichton, and I can really appreciate his opinions and his theories and his ideas. And I will never call bullshit on a person for explaining a theory of theirs and their own personal opinions if they do it so intellectually that you just can't argue. You're like, well, fuck, he's got a point. Word. I have a 24-page report I'd like you to read on Rocket Cats. <laughs> I keep telling you that it's not a report. Those are just doodles in your notebook. It's a graphic report, okay? This is 2014. Get with the times, man. It's like a graphic novel, okay? You just made me think about something. You wrote... It's the earliest form of human written language. You drew all these. Let me throw some some caption bubbles in there for you, and we'll make a graphic novel. (laughs) There's no words in it, man. There's a couple... There's a couple. Meow does not count. <laughs> it's in the dictionary. Is it? I don't know. I'm betting it is. If I were a betting man, which we all know that I usually am, I would take your side in that bet. But as you know, many liberals uh, opposed his thought about global warming. One such man is Al Gore, Excelsior. <laughs> but yeah, in 2007... He spoke before the house and said, The planet has a fever. If your baby has a fever, you go to the doctor. If your doctor tells you you need if to your intervene doctor here. Has a fever. If your doctor tells you you need to intervene here, you don't say, Well, I read a science fiction novel that tells me it's not a problem. You do if you're a Scientologist. I'm being super serial here. Shit, are we going to get death threats for that? Why isn't anybody my Facebook friend? (laughs) Yeah, he was referencing a Michael Crichton novel, a fictional novel. Good good job, Mr. Vice President. I'm you were reaching Dan Quayle levels Fuck of Al silliness. Gore, man. Of silliness. Al Gore's a dick. Yeah, I just brought up both Al Gore and Dan Quayle in the same five minute span. What you gonna do? <laughs> you say bring it, it's already dumb Ben Baratin. Um uh... I don't ever want to do that again. (laughs) Yeah, they're both idiots. But seriously, though, Michael Crichton is a fucking brilliant man. He's really fun to listen to him talk. Like, read a few of his books and look up a few videos on YouTube, like some interviews with him. Like, he's so soft-spoken and well-spoken and intelligent. And uh, whether or not you agree with it, it's great if he's expressing opinions you don't agree with because he's probably expressing them in ways more eloquently and intelligently than you've ever heard it put. And, and it'll, it'll make you go like, oh, okay. So that's probably even what the idiots are like thinking, but they just don't. But they don't know, know how like, to say it right. Yeah, like yeah. thank you for at least like. By okay. idiots, you mean Fox News, right? Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not saying everybody that feel. Obviously, I'm not because Michael Crichton's not an idiot. But there's a lot of idiots in charge of the ideas. Like, for example, people that are against the mainstream conception of global warming. I'm sorry, but most of them are fucking idiots. Like, the people that are in the, in the media, like... Yeah, the like, people that try to make the case against global warming... Yeah, dude, like, don't Michael do a Crichton's good job. not like, oh, well, this is false, and this aspect of the media is clearly spinning bullshit and sensationalist bullshit, so I'm just gonna disregard everything and be like, nope, it's liberal bullshit. Like, no, you, 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 you know, are not American. Everything they say is bullshit. It's a conspiracy. You are an anti-patriot, sir. Yeah, he's a little smarter than this that. Is a, and... This is all about the liberal agenda and, and telling everybody that global warming is happening. 
It is not happening. It, it, it is all, all the, the liberals' plan to tax you and exactly. to make you pay more. Everything so is. So they can spend more. Everything is. But seriously, look up some Michael Crichton on YouTube. Like, it's, he's, he's, he's dope. Uh, if you're one of us more civilized bunch, look him up on Vimeo or Daily Motion. I wish I could do that now. I can't even go to, to uh, educated Rudyard Kipling because I'm all out of wine. I have no more wine to transform me into a suave debonair rich man. Or there's Blip. There's Blip, too. Mm, Blip's yes. dope. Blip.tv. All the good shit's on Blip. And there's it's some good on shit. Blip before it's on the other sites. I guess there's some good shit. Vimeo's got high maintenance, though. But Blip's got like all that that guy with Nathan, the glasses. Nathan, we have and... like a two-hour time limit here. We, come on. Let's get down to brass tacks. Time limits, man. I, I don't know if you were listening a couple Dude, weeks ago. I got to work but... tomorrow. I'm, come on, man. Do me a solid here, and let's talk about some fucking dinosaurs. Oh, you don't have to. The, Craig knows how to get me <laughs> off a subject. Did you know that Michael Crichton had a dinosaur named after him? What? Yeah. The fucking Crichtonsaurus. Hold on. Hold on. Let me get some of this wine so I can. (laughs) You wasted some perfectly good 2012 Pinot Noir. The Crichtonsaurus? The Crichtonsaurus. What kind of dinosaur is it? The Crichtonsaurus Bolini. It is an ankylosaur. No way, yeah. like the little armored motherfuckers, yeah, right? Yeah, those guys. With the club tails. Yep. That's fucking awesome. They should put a Crichtonsaurus in Jurassic Park 4. Can we start a petition for that? Oh my god, I wasn't even... They so should. They don't even have to like say Just to name. like honor him. If This fucking man created your goddamn empire. The put Jurassic on World of, Empire. One of the little vials of like DNA yeah. that Nedry steals in your George Lucas special edition yeah. Jurassic Park 3D2. It's just one of the vials. It just says Crichtonsaurus Bolini. Amazing. Is the full name. Listen, all I'm saying is you have officially achieved everything you need to achieve in life once they fucking name a dinosaur after you. Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. You can just you can just quit. When did that happen? 2002. Okay. Good year. You're a graduated high school. Yeah, that's awesome. Blink-182 were still hitting the charts. Hey, I've heard they've got a new EP coming out soon or something. And boy bands were finally starting to go away for a little bit. <laughs> for a little bit. Little did you know. Little did you know One Direction's right around the corner. All right, so let's take a look at the works of fiction by Sir John Michael Crichton. We've knighted him. Oh, He's that's... a sir now. That's a, that's a, wow, why didn't I think of doing that? Yeah, in the fair point, he's the first person we've knighted. Do we have the power? Yeah, in, in the fair point fucking dynasty, we have the power to knight whoever we want. Michael Crichton. And By this the is, power vested in fair point, you are now Sir Michael Crichton. And this isn't like... Rise. We can't fuck around because this is a serious fucking honor. We didn't give that to Abraham Lincoln... We didn't give that to Chuck Klosterman. Who? We didn't give that, that was, to that was Homer mean. I'm Simpson. Sorry, Chuck. Uh, he's, he's, as much as I love Homer Simpson, he's no knight. So, yeah. I mean, is there anyone we want to do a retro knighting to that we've covered as a topic? I would say Batman, but he's already a knight. He's a dark knight. Yeah. Batman, we don't need tonight. We, I feel like it would be a dishonor. 
for us to attempt to place a title on Batman. Batman, he needs no title. Just a symbol. So, all right. First person in our canon that has been knighted. Sir John Michael Crichton. I'm down. So, the first book he had published, he actually published under the surname John Lange. Yeah, um, that was his uh, his little uh, pseudonym. Yeah, while he was his writing books name. at Harvard, right? Yeah, he was in. It was while he was still in school at in medical school, and probably even after that. It was, of course, a play on his height. He was a very tall man, and Lange is a German surname that means long. So John being his name, John Long, and he had another pen name, Jeffrey Hudson, and Sir Jeffrey Hudson was a famous 17th century dwarf in the court of Queen uh, Consort Henrietta Maria of I, England. I, I get, I get, I get the joke. There's a, there's a dwarf and he's tall. Yeah, it's the opposite. See what he did there. Yeah. It's, it's irony that hipster Michael. Who else Crichton, did he write under? Tell me more. Well, he and his brother wrote a couple books together, and when they wrote a book together, they went by their first names, Michael Crichton and Douglas Crichton, as a name, Michael Douglas. Oh, no way. That guy from Falling Down? Yeah. Surprisingly enough, he actually starred in a movie based on one of Michael Crichton's works. We'll get to that in a minute. Do do you think he was on the set with him? He was like, hey, I, (laughs) I wrote a book under your name. The first book was Odds On. It was published in 1969. Uh, I got 1966 here. Discrepancy. Hmm. Look it up. Let us know. Fairpointpodcast at yahoo.com. I did not read this one. So I guess the first book was Odds On. It was either published in 1966 or 1969. And Craig has not read it. It was published under the pen name John Lange. Oh, that could be why. I've never been at a bookstore looking for John Lange. And it focuses around a hotel robbery on the island of Costa Brava. The robbery is planned with the assistance of a critical path analysis. Gotta get technology in there. Computer program. But everything doesn't play out as predicted. Uh, Begins with a quote from Benjamin Disraeli. There are three kinds of lies. Lies, damned lies, and statistics. The cake is also a lie. Mm. There are four kinds of lies. (laughs) Lies, damned lies, statistics, and the motherfucking cake. Next, we've got Scratch One, published in 1967. And Craig... Still hasn't read it yet. Also published under John Lange, it tells the story of a lawyer sent to secure the purchase of a villa in France who ends up getting caught up in a mistaken identity trope with the CIA and a gang called the Associates. Well, scratch that one off the list. Ah. Then there's Easy Go, published in 1968, and Craig hasn't read it. This is this isn't even fun for yet. So Well, it's another John Lange book and at this point I start to notice that all three of his published books so far have action heroes kissing scantily clad damsels on the cover. Damn, he knows how to sell a book. This one was also titled The Last Tomb. Oh, really? Just a side note. I didn't know that. 
It follows Egyptologist Harold Barnaby, who discovers a hidden message in some hieroglyphics, informing him of the location of an as-of-yet undiscovered pharaoh's tomb. So, unable to fund an expedition himself, and not wanting to alert the authorities who would bogart the discovery, this results in him setting up a kind of heist movie, only instead of a bank robbery or something, it's a bunch of guys trying to discover an Egyptian tomb without the government catching on. This is interesting, because the plot you just described reminds me of a young adult book I read when I was like 13 or 14. Really? Doubt it was this, because it turned out, you know, there was like an actual mummy's curse in the book, so... Well, I love ancient Egypt. I love Egyptology. I definitely want to give this one a look. Yeah, easy goes it. A Case of Need was published in 1969 under the name of Jeffrey Hudson, and Craig has read it. Really? Yeah, it was actually re-released in 1993 under his name, under his real name. Well, this is a mystery novel involving racism, abortion, the medical industry, and drug dealers. Oh, it's so good, man. As if there was a difference between the medical industry and drug dealers. But why don't you tell us about it? It actually doesn't involve drug dealers that much. It's just... There's this guy who's a doctor, and one of his friends actually gets tossed in jail for doing a procedure which was highly illegal and controversial at the time, abortions. And the girl he performed the abortion on died. So he has his one phone call, phones his buddy, who's this doctor, that's the main character, and he decides to go on a quest to try to see if he could uh, clear the name of his friend that the girl didn't die from the abortion. And there's a whole mess of crap that goes along with it. And this guy gets himself sucked into the world, uh, the seedy world of, of drug dealers, and trying to uncover the mystery behind you know the girl that decided to get an abortion then later died. It was a very good read and actually while it's the earliest michael crichton book i've ever read it was the last michael crichton book i read well you heard it here first a case of need it's a very good read um smoke up some weed it's and it's give own it a breed. read oh i just run uh, read with read it's and its I own failed. breed the book is its own breed. man i failed hard on that one that In- wasn't cool i'd say that was Zero Cool, which was published in 1969, and Craig... Hasn't read it. It's another John Lange one. Back to the John Lange tradition of pulp covers with scantily clad women making out with sly James Bond types. Well, how how do you expect to sell a book when, when you're basically telling them this is not cool? This book is not cool. It is zero cool. Well, apparently a radiologist on vacation who meets up with aforementioned damsel because, hey, we all know radiologists get mad play. Yeah, is that the word on the street? All the radiologists getting it on? They, they got all these hot dates. Well, she Go to the bar and you him. say, I'm a radiologist. Now buy me a drink, ladies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, honestly, it was my plan B. Radiology? Yes. So she gets him caught up in two rival gangs search for a mysterious artifact. And hilarity ensues. Probably not hilarity. Probably pulp action action pulp next is a big one the andromeda strain published in 1969 and craig oh of course i've read it fucking love that book it is what it was my um my second favorite michael Crichton book until i read jurassic park you see uh debris of a satellite is it a satellite i haven't read it you're the one who read it oh well you got the summary in front of you 
This is go all off off memory. A satellite crashes down in the small town in New Mexico. I don't know. <laughs> you didn't have. Don't you have a summary? It doesn't say anything about where it was. A, a brief summary. Oh, okay. Well, anyways, bits of a satellite crash down, and there is uh, an alien strain, I guess, like DNA on it, and it could possibly infect and kill off humanity. So it's a race against the clock for these scientists to get to this town, quarantine it, and try to figure out uh, what's going on with it and not kill everybody, basically. You might know the... TV miniseries that was created because of this book starring a little uh, a man. He's well, he is a, a little, little man. he is a little man actually. Was Joe Pesci? No, his? it was Lou Diamond Phillips. Oh, really? <laughs> but yeah, the 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 Lou Diamond Phillips. The miniseries was not so good. The book was way better, and it, it was like it was heart racing. Like I had my pulse going like crazy when I got to the latter half of the book. I finished it in like a couple hours tops because I just couldn't put it down. I just had to keep, you know, reading it and reading it. And it paid off. Such a good book. Well, next we've got another John Lange book published in 1969. This motherfucker was on that typewriter like a jackrabbit in 1969. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's like, I mean, I'm just in med school. (laughs) I got free time. (laughs) Just going to write a novel. My homework's been done for a month. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I did my homework when I was 12. (laughs) I don't even know how that's possible, but it happened. I'm that smart. So the Venom business, Craig. Hasn't read it. This is the first John Lange book to break tradition with the cover. It is about a man, Charles Raymond, who smuggles rare artifacts out of Mexico under the cover of his snake exporting business. That's right. He brings snakes to universities and drug companies to research their venom. Then he's hired by his old high school friend, Richard Pierce, to be his bodyguard. But after thwarting a few suspicious attempts at Richard's life, Charles starts thinking he's being duped and that the bad guys aren't really who he thinks they are. And there's more going on here than he knows. So he's paying people to pretend to put out hits on him. Dude, how's that for a fucking book summary right there? Yeah. A snake smuggler gets caught up. Who's not really a snake smuggler, but an artifact. He's an artifact smuggler who legitimately transports as a snake smuggler. Uh Try to say snake smuggler like 20 times fast. You'll do Toy Boat first. Then we've got Drug of Choice, published in 1970, and Craig... It was not my book of choice. It may be Michael Crichton's Drug of Choice, but it's not Craig's. Um, It was also titled Overkill. Didn't know that. There you go. A physician sees some strange cases, and after investigating further, discovers Eden Island... A vacation resort running on advanced biosystems promising to be the ultimate escape and the shadowy corporation that is behind it. Shadow corpse. Love them. It's just like Umbrella. Then we've got the first Michael Douglas book. Dealing or the Berkeley to Boston 40 Brick Lost Bag Blues published in 1970. And Craig. I bet you thought he was just an actor. True. I, 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 I haven't read it, man. I, 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 I see a book by, written by Michael Douglas, and I'll just skip it. So in this book, this dude really wants to hook up with his new California girlfriend. 
Because, Who doesn't? I mean, yeah, as Katy Perry I taught mean, us, California girls are unforgettable. Why really, are they unforgettable, dude, Craig? Really, dude. Why are they unforgettable, Craig? I, I'm not even going. I'm not even going to answer that, man. <laughs> really, dude. You didn't Daisy go to Beach Boys. Deuce, bikinis on top. No, I didn't. What of it? Wish they all could be California girls. Yeah, take that, Katy Perry. Hey, Beach Boys didn't have Snoop Dogg as a guest vocalist on their track. Well, if they were around at the same time and they asked, they would have. Yeah, he'll do anybody's song, won't he? Jesus Christ, Snoop Dogg did a Hot Pockets commercial. (laughs) Pocket like it's hot. That shit was brilliant. Also, a True Blood episode. My pocket like it's hot. Pocket like it's hot. (laughs) So this dude really wants to hook up with his new California girlfriend. So he ends up involving her in his plan to smuggle a bunch of weed from Berkeley to Boston. And this book was also serialized in Playboy magazine and adapted to film in 1972. Of course it would have been in Playboy. It was about drugs. Dude, I want to read Michael Crichton's fucking stoner book. Like, that's ridiculous. That was, Yeah, that was his graduating thesis year from, from medical school. <laughs> I'm going to write about smuggling pot. Also in 1970, we've got Grave Descend. Another also John written Lange by Jane one? Lange. And Jane Craig, Lange? Oh, no, I said John Lange. Oh, I thought you said Jane Lange. I still haven't read it. Uh, this is about a diver who explores sunken ships for hire, and he's commissioned to explore a luxury yacht sunken off the coast of Jamaica, which is called the Grave Descend. I was waiting for you to try to do a, a Cockney accent and I actually divert wasn't, into Jamaican. I actually wasn't doing an accent. I just kind of almost burped at the end of saying Jamaica. Jamaica. True story. True story. Jamaica. And he finds something mysterious in this sunken ship. What? I... I don't know. A that's, stash of E.T. Atari games? Casper Hauser? I, I, the Lost Episodes of Fairpoint? I don't know. That is for the reader to figure out. God, if you found those Lost Episodes of Fairpoint, I'd be so relieved. Leave it to Michael Crichton. <laughs> yeah. Jump forward to 1972. Whoa, what was with the jump? Crisscross wasn't around yet. House of Pain wasn't going yet. Uh, published as John Lange, we've got Binary. And Craig... Uh, while this one was also re-released under his actual name in 1993, I have not read it. It was also directed by Michael Crichton as a TV movie adaptation called Pursuit. Hey, I mentioned that and earlier. It's about a man who plans to assassinate the president by robbing a U.S. Army shipment of two separate chemicals that create the dangerous chemical weapon VZ. I thought you were going to say Chemical X. Yes. That, too. That is extremely elaborate to assassinate the president. Then we've got Terminal Man, published in 1972, and Craig... Has read it. Fucking great book. Side note, there almost was a time when I didn't read this book. (laughs) Well, no, there was a time when you didn't read this book. Well, yeah. No, almost about it. But I had wanted to get... I had wanted to get the Adromedus strain, and... I was on Amazon, and again, this was Credit before to Michael Crichton. This was before Amazon was mainstream. Amazon. This is before it was cool to shop on Amazon. 
Well, the Amazon was always a mainstream. No, no, the the website. It's it's a river, to be more accurate. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm I didn't major in geology. Are you serious? You lied on your resume. No, fuck this shit. You're I fired. I didn't lie. You're fired. I fired. Hey, you in the corner. Guy Fox, get the fuck over here. You're the new co-host. Oh, are you talking to me? You want me on your podcast? All right. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I heard this story that this, this fucking, this bloke, this non-Catholic prick, this Protestant bastard, he had bought the Andromeda strain, but there was a, a cheaper option that was a double book. There was two books in one book. And it was the Andromeda strain packaged with the Terminal Man. And and he decided that he was going to just buy that and say, well, there's another Michael Crichton novel. I could always go back and read that if uh, I run out of things to read. I'm, I'm picturing what he would say in his own head. I'm honestly quite surprised. Like, wow, I, I you know a lot about this. Right, are you a Michael Crichton fan? I had no idea. No, no, no. Uh, that that Crud guy, he... Uh, he just kind of told me about it while I was while I was waiting for the bus. Michael Crichton took the bus. Yeah, no, I was taking the bus. Wow. <laughs> You're foolish, man. Michael Crichton isn't alive anymore. Then there was the Great Train Robbery in 1975. Well, actually, the Great Train Robbery took place in, in 1855. But the book was published in 1975, and Craig... took way too long to get that shit out. Uh, I saw the movie. Well, this is an historical novel about the great gold robbery of 1855, a massive gold heist. What made it great? Well, great as in, not as in, like, really, really good. As in grand. Yes. It was a big gold heist that took place on a train traveling through Victorian-era England on May 22nd, 1855. And in 1979, Michael Crichton directed the film adaptation, which was, starred Sean Connery. Were the people that uh, that robbed that train greatly? Were, <laughs> was that the Loomis gang, by any chance? Probably not. Ah, uh, okay. That was more, you know, local. In the 1800s, but it was New York. Anyways, Sean Connery, eh? And this wouldn't be the first run-in between Michael Crichton and Sean Connery. Oh, yeah, there was Celebrity Jeopardy. Then there's Eaters of the Dead, the manuscript of Ibn Fadlan relating his experiences with the Northmint in A.D. 922. Or 1976, which is the year it was released. And Craig? Oh, man, I love this book. It was a great book. It was also titled The 13th Warrior. It was, the, it was about Vikings. Yeah, it was republished as that to correspond with the film adaptation. Yeah, it was, uh, the book was done as if it was the manuscript of this Ab- Abraham Imid. Say the name again. Abram Imid. It was Ibn Fadlan. Just Ibn Fadlan? Yeah. I thought there was an Abraham in there first, or for some reason. But anyways, it it was so well done. Um, I can't pinpoint anything specific about this book. In fact, I forgot that I had read it until I was looking at the list of books that he wrote. And it was like, oh, yeah. I It was one of those. I totally thought it was going to be something other than what it was. And there was uh, wasn't the Kraken in it at some point because I really. That's yeah, because cool. there was a long time when he was on the boat with the Vikings and he was like a, a translator or some shit. But and he was just learning their culture, basically, and just jotting yeah, it's it about down. 10th century Muslim who gets caught up in this rowdy group of Vikings 
because their soothsayer says that they need 13 people to succeed in this expedition. Yeah, it was it was so good, man. Uh, seeing the two different cultures mix and him like learning so much about the Vikings themselves, you would think uh, Michael Crichton had a lot of prior knowledge of what it was like to be a Viking. He did tons of research for every one of his books. And it's interesting because, like you said, it's sort of like this ancient manuscript. And the book is written as a scientific study, right. a modern scientific study of this ancient manuscript. Of this fake manuscript that he just created. So there's like three levels of separation here. Like there's the original eyewitness account, the manuscript he wrote, and the scientific analyzation of this. I'll do you one better. The book itself actually has footnotes in it that uh, bring you to the appendix in the back that detail the manuscript itself. Yes, and it even has a fictional bibliography, which cites Abdul Alhazred's Necronomicon, placing this firmly into Lovecraftian lore. So Eaters of the Dead is on the same level of Cthulhu. Then we've got Congo, published in 1980, and Craig... Oh, I've read it. And it's funny because you know how like you said you you like had to fight tooth and nail to get me to read Jurassic Park. After I read Jurassic Park, I was like, hmm, well, Congo sucked, so maybe the book's way better than no than the movie. Oh no, it is by far. It's still not um, one of his best. I would say still kind of silly, but far superior to the movie. Would the book have fared better if you could actually cast Bruce Campbell in a book? Um, no. Really? Because I would have thought well, any book would have fared better I mean, if that were possible. If you could say, instead of like the doctor or the scientist or whatever that it was that went missing, uh, if you just say it was Bruce Campbell and just use Bruce Campbell. Him? Yeah. Uh, well, it would be a lot more believable because who's going to risk their life for some random scientist? Honestly, if but you Bruce ask me, Campbell, I would have made Bruce Campbell the lead. In any movie or, or book. book. Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Then we've got Sphere, published in 1987, and Craig. Ooh, I have not read it. Funny little story, there was a movie made about Sphere. Yeah, starring starring Dustin Hoffman, Sharon Stone, and Samuel L. Jackson. And Samuel L. Jackson. One of, like, the lighting directors, assistant directors of that movie is actually my step-uncle. What? Uh, Bobcat Goldthwaite's brother. What? Oh, yeah, I'm not related to Bobcat Goldthwaite, but my Through marriage. Yeah, my uh, grandfather, after my grandmother died, remarried his high school sweetheart, which is the mother of these two guys. I met Bobcat Goldthwaite while my second grandma was in the hospital. He made a movie that takes place here in Syracuse. Yes. It's not my yeah, cup of tea. Grew up in Syracuse. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really depressing and weird, but you get to see downtown Syracuse. Like, all oh, these that's places that cool I frequent. That's seeing on the like, screen, you know? Like, I was there. Like, I mean, shit. Just like when Rob Zombie made Lord, Lords of Salem. I mean, that movie fucking sucked, but I was in Salem right around the time that movie came out, and then I saw the movie. I was like, I was on that street. <laughs> but yeah, what's Sphere about? Uh, a psychologist joins a group of government sponsored scientists in examining a giant alien spacecraft that has been lying at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean for over 300 years. Jesus Crow. Yeah, if you want to know more without actually reading the book, watch the movie. This movie fucking bombed, and it bombed hard, and it was... I never saw it, but 
I heard it was a really bad movie. That fucking sounds awesome, though. Like, how do you fuck that up? Speaking of really bad movies, they're Definitely wasn't one based off this book. Uh, Jurassic, well, I guess there was. It was called Jurassic Park 3. Oh. But, um, yeah, which is a different book, actually. There was no book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Jurassic Park in 1990. Craig has read it, and I'm not doing a summary for this one. We all if know you don't know Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park, what the fuck are you doing with your if life? If you don't know Jurassic Park, then that in itself, sir, is chaos yeah, theory. Seriously, go in the bathroom, look yourself in the mirror long and hard, and really, like, <laughs> what are you doing with your life? Long and hard. Enough out of you, Guy Fox. That guy Oi, so I'm just going to go back in the corner then. I'm going to go back in the corner and look at the yes. football match scores. Yes, you do that. Fucking Manchester United. Always winning. Then we've got Rising Sun in 1992 and Craig. Uh, wasn't that a Bruce Campbell movie? No, Bruce Willis movie. I, I don't know. No, that was uh, Tears of the Sun. I, 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 I haven't read it. Well, this was adapted into a film in yeah. 1993, which starred, again, Sean Connery as the main character. Yeah, I'm thinking of a different movie that had Bruce Willis and a Vietnam movie still. Well, this one also had Wesley Snipes, Harvey Keitel, and Tia Carrera. Jesus Christ, that's a star-studded cast for the 90s. It involves a murder at the LAHQ of Japanese corporation Nakamoto and deals with the Japanese-American relations in regards to like investment in technology and whatnot. Oh, you don't say. Disclosure was published in 1994 and adapted into a film the very same year it was released, starring Demi Moore, Michael Douglas, not the author, that was Michael Crichton and his brother, and Donald Sutherland and Dennis Miller. Hey, wasn't that the same year that Jurassic Park was doing awesome in the box office and ER was number one? Wasn't that the year we were talking about him charting in three different mediums? No, I'm pretty sure Disclosure was the number one film of that year. Uh, uh, no, that was the book. The book. Son. And a movie the same year. Yeah, so there's no way that film was number one. Well, Craig, have you Wait, wait, one? wait. Did you say that it had Demi Moore in it? Yes. Yeah, there's no way it was number one. <laughs> Did you read this one? No. It follows Tom Sanders head of advanced products manufacturing at Digicom, and his battles against false allegations of sexual harassment. Oh, yeah, sexual harassment. That was, um, at the time, that was risque to talk about in the book. That was, like, right at the height of when sexual harassment was, like, really getting cracked down on in the office. Especially considering he wrote a book about a male superior in being the office being sexually, sexually harassed, harassed by a female. Yes. And that was unheard of. Most guys are like, bro, what's your deal, bro? Just get it. Get it, bro. <laughs> well, I don't think that was the big beef with the book. The beef wasn't that frat boys revolted because they were like, no, nah, bro, just bro, get you it, bro. hit it, bro. You should have hit it, bro. You should have no, just hit it. It was uh, no, feminists but- saying that it was anti-feminist. I mean, especially, oh, oh, because a woman's in power. Now she's going to abuse it. You sick son of a bitch. Well, no, the woman wasn't in power. The woman was an employee underneath him. Oh, so she was trying to get ahead. Well, no, they actually had a past relationship and she wouldn't let it go. And he was like, no. And he turned down her advances. Couldn't he just fire her? Like, I'm sorry, this is very inappropriate That would bring a whole nother, like, 
legal so, aspect. Into yeah, it. yeah, that he would have won. I fired her because she was trying to fuck me in the office. Well, I mean, back to the whole issue at hand that, like, people did take issue with this. I mean, it's understandable, especially him coming from a background of slightly right-wing politics. Like, it does seem a little fishy. But, I mean, he maintained that this was just a role reversal, and it explored issues from that aspect. Yeah, and why wouldn't he? That is totally legitimate, because no issue is black and white. And only occurs on one side of the spectrum. So Right. It can be either way. Yeah, I mean There's I, no way that sexual harassment only entails just like I haven't read the book, so I'll reserve my judgment. But I mean even I understand because to me the idea rubs me the wrong way a little. It seems a little like, oh really? Are you are you like like he, he wrote a book that was very clearly trying to be like uh, global warming isn't really what it says it is. And I feel like this book, you could look at it and be like, this book's kind of like, eh, sexual harassment in the workplace. Is it really what it says it is? Let's look at it from the keep other perspective. About global warming, man. Will you keep bringing it up? Now back to sexual harassment. We got another book from him. The Lost World was published in 1995. Craig, I, have you read this one? I have, yeah. Um, Although... It, it's it's odd because between the two Michael Crichton Jurassic books I've read and the three movies I've seen, this one is tough for me to to pinpoint the exact story behind it uh, to remember. It all starts to mesh together. The only one that really sticks out uh, is the first movie and the first book. I am going to go on record as saying I don't really like this book. This is actually that could be why I'm not really remembering it. As a, as a kid, I kind of liked it. I didn't like it as much as the first. Well, this book was written. They asked him to write it because they wanted to make a sequel. Yes. And they also asked him to bring Ian Malcolm back. But oh, yeah. <laughs> Spoiler. At the same point, I'm not sure they asked him that because that was the vehicle for the message of the story. That was the main character of the book, if you had to pinpoint right. one. Correct. It wasn't uh, Dr. Grant. Dr. Grant was hands down the the main protagonist of the first book. I actually have to say the movie, while very inferior to the first Jurassic Park movie. which Uh, Probably because it had Vince Vaughn. I wouldn't blame it solely on that. Fair enough. Could be dinosaurs rampaging New York City. Well, it happened in San Francisco at the end of the movie. Oh, that wasn't. uh, Whatever. You know what I meant. Or San Diego. Sorry. Yeah, see, you're wrong, too, so we can just move on. But, I mean, I think the movie actually did a better job at this story than the book did. The book, I'm sorry, it was really bad. I don't like it. I don't want to discourage you from reading Michael Crichton. But The Lost World, not so great. It, like, you know, while Jurassic Park had a lot of science interspersed throughout the novel, and sometimes it did seem a little preachy or forceful, the Lost World was nothing but scientific exposition the whole time. Just like, oh, see this? This corresponds with my theory of blah, 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 blah for fucking four pages. And just and, like an excuse for these characters to jerk off scientifically. And you could tell that. What, remember what I said earlier about him being a fantastic storyteller? He probably just didn't have the heart in this one when he was writing it. Then there's Airframe, published in 1996, and Craig, 
Uh, if I knew it had existed, I would have read it. It's about a journalist investigating the crash of an airplane and involves air safety. How many novels do you read about that For sensitive real, exactly. issue? Sensitive issue of air safety. <laughs> and the sensationalist media. Like Lost. Then there's Timeline, published in 1999. And this is about a group of college students that travel back in time to medieval times to save the oh, professor. Oh, no way. Craig, have you read this one? Yes, I have. And I almost didn't read it because that Paul Walker movie was so awful. I believe it. It was Paul Walker and uh, Gerard Butler, right? Yeah, the the movie is a stinker. It doesn't do the book justice. Yeah. Ger- Gerard Butler, more like Gerard Butler. Ah, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Please don't put trust me. In me. Chokehold, Gerard Butler. Trust me, Gerard it. Butler doesn't give a shit about that that name you say. He's sitting here like, really? You think I haven't heard that one before? <laughs> I did grow up in the sixth grade. He grew up in the sixth grade. Yeah, he. he That's he what I became a man. He was in the sixth grade from age seven to eleven. Yeah, isn't uh yeah. Wait, seven? No, that's a little early. I don't fucking know. Moving on. Eleven is when you reach sixth grade. (laughs) Then we've got Prey, published in 2002, and Craig. Oh, I read it. It was the first Michael Crichton book I ever read. Really? Oh, yeah, you said that earlier. I did, yeah. And it's also my favorite Michael Crichton book, if I had to pick one. It's really, really good. Uh, It's about the dangers of nanotechnology, and like most of his books, scientists getting too deep into new technology and not really understanding it to the point where they create monsters out of it. And uh, these scientists are stuck in an underground lab because some nanobites that they created had gotten to the surface and are running amok and just killing things. Yeah, it's like the, they're they're referred to as the swarm. Yes. I mean, yeah, I, and it's I like haven't uh, read this, but it's almost like a. Uh, technologically engineered bacteria right basically yeah and it reproduces on its own through like they call it a swarm because it looks like a little mini twister almost like a tornado just like swirling around that's just millions upon millions of nanobites and they get inside you because you just breathe air you know and uh they kill you by using your body like it's almost like a parasite and it uses it's exactly like a parasite. Parts of your body to replicate itself and, you know, to continue making more and more. And they were worried that it was going to take over the entire planet. And it's just, they were, these people are stuck inside of this thing. And it's just such a good read. And it's so tense. Then we've got State of Fear, published in 2004. And Craig. Oh, I've read it. It's his book about global warming, basically. And, and, yeah, it's been described as pornography for global warming deniers. Yeah, I guess, sure. Because the eco-terrorists are, you know, the people that believe in global warming are the bad guys and they're terrorists and they try to blow summits up. Yeah, they're trying to stage a mass murder to... To prove global warming is is true. Yeah, and yeah. sway people to their side. So basically, it's kind of like Rob Reiner's anti-smoking campaign. So next... Next. 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 Yeah, next. God damn it, man. What's the fucking book? Next. I know. Next we're doing... Next. We're not going to move on without covering the book. You next. haven't even... What book is... Next. What book is next? Next. If you're if you're too tired from this podcast, we need to stop recording now and just continue tomorrow or something. Next. 
The book no. is the book is called Next. Oh, the Nicolas Cage movie. I guess I could have just Oh no, that was said knowing that sentence like half a minute ago. Yeah, for real. You could have avoided this entire problem. Yeah, I could have just said the book is called instead of just saying next. And now I've and mentioned Nicolas Cage. So it Hey, so long as we don't get to Ash I Yeah, that's when that's when I, things stop. So next was published in 2006, and it was Michael Crichton's last published book in his lifetime. And Craig? Have not read it. Poor, poor Michael Crichton. You will be missed, sir. Yeah, I don't know much about this book, but since it was the last one he fully finished before his untimely death, we should take a moment and stop to acknowledge uh, the passing of Sir Michael Crichton in November of 2008. He finally succumbed to his battle with cancer, lymphoma, actually, specifically. Uh, He didn't ever tell anybody, well, other than his family, but the media did not know of his battle with cancer. They kept it pretty hush-hush. It was a big shock to me It was. uh, Everybody's jaw dropped, and even to the family that knew that he was battling cancer because they had said that it seemed like he was going to pull through and make a full recovery. Like, the doctors were like, yeah, I think he's got a beat. And then he died. Sad. Yes, the world definitely misses you, Michael Crichton. Oh, that's for sure. I can't believe it's been six years since he died. Uh, moment of silence for, for our fallen author. Like Jurassic Park, Next deals with genetic research and corporate greed. And it, it, it has a talking monkey in it. That's always a plus. I thought you were going to say a talking Dilophosaur. That would be even more. I was still trying to connect it to Jurassic Park. Now, there's something kind of interesting about this book. Wait a second. Hold on. I'm just processing this. Michael Crichton. Yes, he writes fictional books. Usually things that land in the realm of possibly could happen. It's that things that are possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Talking monkeys. Fiction. Talking monkeys. Not possible. I mean. Other than Congo's little hand signaling uh, Nintendo Power Glove. Time travel? Like, also... I mean, it was genetically engineered. I mean, possible? Yeah, it's possible. Probable? Hmm. There, there, there's that little thing you're getting into with semantics. Anything is possible, but not everything is probable. So, prior to the publication of this book, critic Michael Crowley published a less than flattering review of one of Michael Crichton's books. And eventually he alleged that Michael Crichton did him a tremendous disservice in this book and actually named a character who has a relatively small penis and, and to boot, rapes a baby after him. Yeah, child molester Mick Crowley. If I may quote from page 227... Alex Burnett was in the middle of the most difficult trial of her career, a rape case involving <clears throat> the sexual assault of a two-year-old boy in Malibu. The defendant, 32-year-old Mick Crowley, was a Washington-based political columnist who was visiting his sister-in-law when he experienced an overwhelming urge to have anal sex with her young son, still in diapers. Aww. God damn you, Michael Crowley. I mean, Mick Crowley. But yeah, uh, the real Michael Crowley, who was also a Yale graduate as this Mick Crowley was supposedly, 
he said that Michael Crichton had libeled him. And to that, sir, I say, oh, fucking grow up, man. I don't know, man. If my name is Nathan Kapiser, if I wrote a fucking scathing review of an author's book and a year or two later they publish a book and Nate Kapiser no, no, it'd be rapes more like, a baby It'd be more ass, like Nick Kapiser. Mick is short for Michael. Okay. Nate Kapiser. And then I would read the book but and Crowley say... But Crowley is a more common surname. So we'll Kapiser. say if my name was Nathan Crowley. And they said Nate Crowley? Yeah. I would be a little perturbed. Yeah, but you know what all you got to do is, as, a, as a writer say? Hmm, it's a fictional character. And I could write my own story in which a fictional character named Mick Crichton... Cuts his own penis off to dance around in a blood orgy. I... I... Do not thank you for that visual image. I do not. It does thank not matter you. if you thank me. You are welcome, sir. Yeah, well, I guess I'm going to be up all night tonight, so I guess this podcast is getting edited tonight. As it should. Pirate Latitudes was published posthumously in 2009, and Craig. Oh, I've read it. His publicist found it finished on his desk after his death, not on his computer. Whatever you know I what I know. mean. I thought it was his computer. It Maybe doesn't matter. It was a for the sake of manuscript. For yeah, for the sake of the story. Dramatic effect. Dramatic effect. He just you know walked in to you know finish up anything around there, collect anything. Yeah, it, it and looks, he just he just saw this one. It looks way more dramatic to see this guy eyes widening, flipping through pages, mumbling this is, this instead of sitting down at the then just at the computer, clicking, scrolling, clicking. Yeah. For dramatic effect, it was it was an actual. Uh, but novel. yeah, this this pirate adventure in Jamaica. How how was that? Was it good? Oh, it was pretty cool. Um, book deals with the kraken. Oh, two Michael point. Crichton books that deal with the kraken. Yeah, this is the ocean, man. He's he's it's one dude that knows how to get it cracking. Ah, uh, technically, uh, the book isn't about pirates itself. Uh, it's about a group of privateers who kind of disobey the it, their English command oh, yeah. while searching for some treasure. Uh, it, it was a really good read, and I'm not really into like pirate novels. I fucking love pirates, so I definitely got to give that one. Yeah. Again, you still have my copy. <laughs> I, yeah. Next book by Michael Crichton. And last book by Michael Crichton. This one was actually co-written by Richard Preston. It's called Micro and was published in 2011, or as I like to call it, 2011. And Craig. Dude, not cool. I want my Pirates book back. And Craig. I didn't read it. He didn't even finish writing it, man. And Somebody else Craig, finished writing oh, it. Oh, you answered that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was an unfinished manuscript found on his computer, and Richard Preston finished it up. It centers around fucking shrinking technology. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, as written by Michael Crichton. Okay, now you've sold me. Right? Why doesn't it say that on the back of the book? You've got a quote right there, publishers. Feel free to use that. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, as written. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, as written by Michael Crichton. Nathan Kapiser of Fairpoint Podcast. You read, if you, I swear to God, if you read that, like on the back of the book, if it's, you know, trying to summarize it, 
it doesn't matter who said that because most of the people are people you never heard of from the Washington Post or whatever. You're going to buy that. Now I'm going to buy that. That's going to be the next Michael Crichton book I read. So, Nathan, uh, next week, it's your call. I really don't know what we're going to do. I I can't think of anything right now. Yeah, I can't. Man, I'm at a loss, too. I can't. I was thinking maybe Meredith Baxter Bernie. No, we can't do that yet. Yeah. It's a special one. Yeah. I mean, and and then I had this other idea. Holy, what the? What the fuck just showed up next to you? It's some type of black hole dimensional vortex. Oh, God. It's like a hole it in the space-time like time continuum. Coming it's out just of ripping it. at... It looks like you're coming out of it, Craig. What is... I don't know. I can't look anymore. You just said it was me, and I'm worried that the what they said in Back to the Future would come true, and then I would end up dying because I saw myself. Whoa. Chill. Is this last week? No, this is... I'm pretty sure this is this week. Damn, I, I did a miscalculation. Something I... Ah, oh, man. I come from episode 50. I'm looking for episode 49. Ooh, what episode are we at right now? Oh, this is 45, the Michael Crichton episode. Oh, yeah, that came out pretty good. You guys are you guys are rocking. Whatever you do, don't stop. Yeah, episode 49 is like four weeks from now. Oh, oh man. Yeah, I really did make a miscalculation. I... Shit, I knew I should have hung a Yui at the JFK assassination. Ah, well, I'm sorry. Uh, I guess I'm just going to recalibrate the coordinates on my Time Hopper 3000, and then I'll be out of your hair. So I'll be over here in the corner. Just pay no attention to me. All right, yeah. Hey, it was nice seeing you, I said don't pay attention to me. (laughs) Okay, well, that was cool, I guess. I'm having future shock here. Don't talk to me. Um, oh. Okay. Oh, yeah. Don't worry about that. He gets over it. All right. Well, uh, Craig. Yeah? No, uh, present day Craig, not future Craig. <sighs> we still haven't really figured out next week's topic. Future shock. I, but I'm just saying we have no idea what we're going to do next week. Oh, next week? Number 46? Yeah. You guys do P.O.S.'s 2012 album, We Don't Even Live Here. Really? Yeah, it's a fucking great one. Oh, all right. Well, tune in next week. We've got P.O.S. We Don't Even Live Here. We're going to dissect that album. Ah, there it goes. See ya. Uh, in the meantime, if you're looking for updates, Craig, where can they go to get frequent and insightful updates as well as extra material? Future shock. All right. Go to Facebook.com slash Fairpoint Podcast. Like us on Facebook. Go to YouTube.com slash Fairpoint Podcast. Catch some of our episode promos and clips. Go to SoundCloud.com slash Fairpoint Podcast. You can see an episode there. You can follow us there. Please subscribe on iTunes. Please give us ratings and reviews on iTunes. And please send us an email at Fairpoint Podcast at yahoo.com. Not to mention, we're also on Twitter at Fairpoint Pod. From the secret room, I'm Nathan Capiser. Future Shock! And that's present day Craig Lewis going through Future Shock. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week.
<laughs> I wanted to be like, wait, was it? No. Oh, no, wait. I just. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Twitch plays Craig over here. 